Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sorrows, and I'm Karen. And I'm Kelly. Welcome. Hi, hon. <laughs> um, today I want to talk about uh, a client that came. Uh, her name is Lynn, and that's her real name. Mm -hmm. um, she's given consent for the show, um, and she's also given consent to use her name. So we'll just use first name, but that is, it is Lynn. Um, Lynn came in person. She came for medium and consented to everything, but just walked in, uh, went through the consent list, um, was open. And there's a difference between being open and truly listening and receiving and taking it all in and saying that you're open and wanting proof. And then I'll say dismissing some of the proof so that you can get to the next one. She, she, she truly came with an openness and an open heart to hear things. Mm -hmm. And um, her, her session for me was quite remarkable in that because, as you and I know, there are differences where people want to say they're open. I'm a skeptic, but I'm open. And, and they don't go together. They're saying it because it's the ego. It's, the, it's something to say. Um, or maybe they're, they're just hoping for proof. Um, and hoping to change their mind or to think differently in some way. And some truly are not. They're skeptic and they're going to stay that way. Um, but Lynn really, really was an actual open person, which made her unique for, for me. And um, a real joy. One of the most um, satisfying sessions for me, um, having these gifts. And I mean, there's, there's also satisfaction when you have somebody who's not open, who is a skeptic, who becomes open mm -hmm. because of the session. That's a different kind of excitement and happiness. Um, but this one had such a, such a level of peacefulness to it that it was, it was noteworthy. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to jump in and, and tell the story that she's given permission to. And then, uh, as always, please ask questions. And yeah add. Um, I, I, I called her when I was trying to write down a few notes when speaking to her about this. I kept she kept saying the word true to me. <laughs> so I wrote this was the true story. Her spirit? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, and the human her too. Because I would say he would he said this, he said this, he said that and she'd go true. Oh, okay, so <laughs> she's validating. It. So she she came through <laughs> validating so so joyfully, sometimes she would sit there and just put her head on her hands and bawl and say, true, true, true. And, but it was, and, and you could hear sometimes how painful it was. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you could hear and feel how joyful it was. Mm -hmm. And then at other times, it was so mixed up that it was both painful and joyful that at the same time, it was so, she was so confused in all of the feelings that there, um, it reminded me of music, just in how you can hear a song and feel different emotions at the same moment. Yeah. And that as she was going through the session and healing, he was. So I could feel what he was feeling on the other side and I could feel what she was feeling. Mm -hmm. It was just beautiful for me. So anyway... Who she wanted when she came in the room was her ex-husband. And um, they were not together. Um, 
when, she it, when he passed when he passed he um they had been speaking to each other but they weren't living together they weren't friendly they were just they had just been talking mm-hmm. and um at the very beginning when she sat down she said i really want medium do you, do you happen to know who i want and i said i think it's a husband but i'm not certain cuz he stands away like like he's not supposed to be she goes oh that's not what he's trying to say he's my ex-husband mm-hmm. So I thanked her for clarifying that and for helping me, not making me struggle through trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Because he didn't walk in and say, hi, I'm the ex-husband. Right. (laughs) He was kind of, he was acting it out in some kind of way, trying to give me a message. And um, he he told me that he had passed of cancer and that it had spread in the body and that it was going up into the brain um, and that he had... Uh, it had been in different organs. And so as I would say to her what organ it was in, I would feel the pain in my organ. And she would say to me, how do you know that? And I would say, because my pancreas is hurting. And she would say, Oh, my God, yes, it was in his pancreas. True. So she would she would go through giving these affirmations about what what he had gone through. Mm -hmm. And he said to her, um, that he knew that she had come to the hospital the day he died and that she hadn't seen him for years. She had kicked him out of the relationship uh, due to, in part, alcoholism and that he had, he would say he was going to try to change and that he wouldn't actually do any work. He would talk it, but he wouldn't actually do the work. So she had come to the decision that she had to take care of herself because he wasn't even taking care of himself. Mm -hmm. And if she wasn't going to take care of herself and focus on taking care of him, that somehow she was missing out on living her own life. Mm -hmm. So she still loved him. She just made a choice that she had to actually love herself and take care of herself. Love it. And that he had finally figured that out. Once he was on the other side. Once he had crossed, he thanked her. Hmm. He nice. told her how much he respected her, that she figured that out on earth. And that while as a human, he didn't understand it, he had begged her and pleaded with her to take him back. She said, and she would always say no. Um, he, he felt victimized by her and he felt victimized by the alcohol. He wanted help. He just couldn't get it. He needed her. And she had come to realize that that's not what he needed. He didn't need her or the alcohol. He needed to take care of himself. Mm-hmm. And that this was this was something she could never explain to him, but that in the first two minutes of the session, of her hour, he walked in, went right through and said, "This is the, these are the types of cancers I had. This is what happened to my body, but this is what happened to us. This is what happened to me. Neat. And, you know... It was it was just so it was so spot on. She kept saying to me, "True or spot on," and um, she she said to me, "Can you prove it? Can you can you say something about being at the hospital?" And I said, "Well, he says that you shouldn't have been there. <laughs> you were his ex. <laughs> his family was there, but that you you when you found out that day that he had been taken to the hospital." that you you just drove there hoping that they the family would be open enough to letting you in. And nobody knew he was dying that day. 
Okay. It was just he was sick. He was still sick. And so when he went into the hospital and she found out, she drove up there and she went into the room. The family was there and they were they were more than happy to let her have her time. So they left. And so he explained, my family let you in. They walked out of the room. You were there by yourself. He says, I know you sat beside me. I know you held my hand. I know you tried to rub my arm. So I'm going to make the assumption for listeners who are still confused. He was not conscious at this time as That's a human. correct, okay, Kelly. So this is why you're giving affirmations yes. that, um, that he was aware of these things, He's, even though his human self wasn't. Yes, he's unconscious. And, and I don't know a medical term for what that, what that would be at that point, whether, because at this point he's medicated um, to help him out of the pain. Mm-hmm. And she, and I said, you want to know if he still could feel pain? And she said, yes, I do want to know that. And I said, well, I said, he's explaining that he could. And I said, in spite of the fact that the pain meds were to take him out of it, he still could. And I said, he knows that you touched his hand, touched his arm, and he heard you say, I love you. I still love you. And I said, you said those two sentences. I love you. I still love you. And that you were sorry that you loved him. You wished you could have been together, but you could not be. Mm-hmm. And that just because you wish for something doesn't mean you can have it. And that a mature person recognizes the difference. Mm-hmm. And so he came through and said to her, I understand now that you were trying to r- raise your own emotional intelligence, that what you were trying to do. And he's, she said, I want to know why he struggled dying. And I said, well, he's talking about that he couldn't seem to die. He couldn't leave his body. So here's the reason. When he was two years old, his dad died. When he was two years old, his dad left him. He grew up believing that on some level his dad chose to and believed through his whole life that it was his dad's fault that his mom remarried and picked a man who abused him and his mom. So instead of being mad at his mom or being mad at the stepdad, he was mad at his dad who died. Okay. Because it's his fault if he didn't leave Mom wouldn't have had to remarry. We could have been happy. If he didn't leave, dad wouldn't have picked this asshole. Mom. Or mom wouldn't have picked this asshole. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't, and this asshole wouldn't hurt me, wouldn't hurt my mother. We wouldn't be in this situation. It's dad's fault. Mm -hmm. And so from that level of at two years old, being able to have those levels of thoughts, why is dad not coming home? Why is this man coming into the house? Where's my dad? He still was looking for that dad. So now he's in his mid-50s and he's dying. And so as he's going to do his crossing, he's afraid to find his dad because he's been mad at him his whole life. 53 years, he's been mad. Okay. So he's, he's, he's angry and he's scared. So underneath all of that anger underneath it that he wasn't really willing to deal with was his scaredness his fear Mm -hmm. that when I die if what 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 am I going to find out so I said to him well what did you find out take me show me and he said Karen I was afraid that my dad would leave me again Mm -hmm. that I would die cross over see him and he'd walk away again and I said and what happened 
He says, well, that was the pain. That was my agony of leaving my body. That's why I would not do my leaving. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, so what happened? He said, well, he says, watch what happened. So I watched and I saw him struggling, trying to go back and forth. And I saw where he'd go into his body, but feel all of the pain of the body, where he would see his ex-wife sitting. I could see where he could hear her talking to him and other people in the hallway and at the nurse's station and in the cafeteria and the hospital. And I could see his spirit moving around trying to figure out the world and earth. And then I could see where all of a sudden it was like, and to describe this, I would say all of a sudden there was a nothingness, um, meaning there wasn't a hospital, but there was just the peace and quiet of being in a room. And in this space, he was back to being two years old and his dad was standing there and his dad said, Hey bud. And just started talking to him naturally and normally. And he started talking to his dad, but out of the voice and out of the energy and out of the being of the 53 year old man. Mm -hmm. So even though the two year old body was sitting there for him to kind of associate with, I'm two, he was able to go past what two year olds would think and he would, so you died, you left, eh? And his dad would say, yeah. And he'd say, why, why, what happened? And so his dad was able to say, well, this was my time. This is how I died. And these are some of the things that he never really got full understanding of on earth either, by the way. Right. Because his mom didn't talk about it. So he was able to then understand what his, what his, how his dad had passed. But his dad also started showing him things about what he went through here on earth and what his life had been like with his mom and his stepdad and how he had been on earth and how he had loved him and how his spirit had been here. Once he started feeling how much his dad, his biological dad, loved him, mm -hmm. his whole human life, he crossed. He just went. He let go. He just let go. He just finally, he went. He felt love. And so I'm telling Lynn how he finally managed to feel love instead of fear. And pain. And pain. And how the pain was associated with the fear. Mm -hmm. That the two emotions came together. That this wasn't where you can separate those. Mm -hmm. And that the only way through that was to hear the truth. Mm -hmm. And the only way through that was to, when you hear the truth and you feel the love, that that is what brings you through the fear and through those those painful moments. Very cool. Yeah, there's more. Okay. I, I, I just wanted, I, I, there's so much. I had to, I had to get her permission and sit with her and write some of the notes because you know what, it's so hard to remember this. So she was talking about, um, that he, he realized that all through his life then that he was he was always in a mode of fighting. That he was always in a struggle with that original moment, but that he kept replaying it over and over again, but with different people. And so his biological dad then was able to show him how in his life with alcohol, in his life with his spouse, in his life with his own children, co-workers, all kinds of things, that he, that he, he found those moments to feel that pain or to relive it or to recreate it again. Which is kind of sad. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, 
you have to process all of that. But how in the moments of sitting with Lynn, he, he would he would pause and then he would explain something to her and she would look at me and say, always wondered why he did that. What do you mean? And then, or, or she would say, well, what do you mean about that? And I'd give examples and he would say, yeah, that's when I did this to her. That's when I withheld. That's when I made her think she was crazy. I'd say one thing, she would follow through on that. And I'd say, I never said that. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would create those moments of conflict in her because it represented the conflicting moments and thoughts within himself. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? I mean, well, I, I won't say cool, hurtful, disturbing. That it's 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 several different things for him, and it's several different things for her. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think cool is necessarily the wrong word, and mm-hmm. I'm, I kind of gravitate toward the word uh, the word fascinating, because of what. Um, well, how we process things in our own brain and then how we um, express them through through our behaviors and how we displace those feelings and those thoughts and impose them on others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you, you're looking at a paper, is there more? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. His grandpa's came through. Can I go back before then if you're yeah. going to make different points? Cause no, go ahead, Kelly. I want to jump in and talk about the idea of fear being the reason that he couldn't let go to pass. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's a very um, big topic that isn't uh, given enough enough time just yet. Okay. Because a lot of people, a lot of family members who watch loved ones um, not be able to pass, ask the question, what's holding them here? Yes. Um, and why can't they let, you know, we use the term let go a lot. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's fear of religion. Mm-hmm. It's like you, like you've mentioned, fear of uh, meeting a loved one or not meeting a loved one if, mm-hmm. if you know they don't show up for me again. Uh, but just the belief systems that we have w- mm-hmm. that, that underlies everything that we think or do. Mm-hmm. He he had um, a fear of actually feeling all of his anger with his mother. Right. Uh, there was a fear of she had victimized herself. Right. So I won't leave this, this relationship because, you know, I can't. So his mom had played the role of victim her whole life. And because of the victim role of I can't leave, I can't leave this relationship. Um, victim, I don't have the, you know, enough money. Whatever enough means, by the way, because you can be quite rich and still never leave because you see yourself as poor without mm-hmm. all of the money. Uh, which is a whole a whole other topic unto itself, mm-hmm. which is just, we all know it's an excuse. We just it's one way to victimize. It's one way to yeah to victimize yourself. So anyway, so she victimized herself, but in doing so, if I'm a victim, then you are not allowed to be mad at me. If I'm the victim, then you cannot fault me. Mm-hmm. It's somebody else's fault. Right. It's the stepdad's fault. Wow. I'm I'm not the son of a bitch. He is. But but then you, ultimately, he, it, it made the dad the wrong the wrong person. Wow, that's so, shitty. So how messed up are you as a child when one one parent has passed away, mm-hmm. and the remaining parent 
victimizes herself. Mm-hmm. And so, consequently you, because you have no ability at this time to stand up for yourself. That's right. So, so, so children, you're going to be victims your whole lives. And uh, because I am, so I'm putting this on you too. Right. And, but you can't get mad at me because your father died. And now I'm stuck with this. I call him stepdad SD. I called him. So stepdad here. And I'm going to stay here because you'll never be able to be mad at me then. Mm-hmm. So it gives her complete and total control, even over emotions. Mm-hmm. even over the fact that you're not allowed to get mad at me because I'm the one that's being the victim. Right. And I'm going to remind you of that every day. So this is what spins him into drinking because there's so much confusion around the thoughts that the brain just goes into, I call it squirrel mode because it just runs on a loop. It's just an unhealthy circle. Mm-hmm. Right. And he never ever right to the days in his dying moment gets any relief out of outside squirrel reality. Mm-hmm. But his biological dad comes through finally to just be able to say, here's what love is. Um, And if you feel that and sit in it for a little bit, we can talk and hear the truth. There was an interesting point to hear, he said, to tell his ex-wife, Lynn, um, that when he crossed over, he said, no Jesus shit. Don't you be bringing me any Jesus shit. I don't want mm-hmm. to see any guy in a white gown. I don't want to see any crucifix. None of this shit. Uh, what? A gown. Oh, I'm sorry. Pretty sure it was a robe, a but robe. that's okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> we class him up. <laughs> so he, he, he didn't want any of this is going to be a God situation or a Jesus situation. And there's going to be any more of this victim stuff. Mm-hmm. Because he goes, enough victim. Everybody victimized that Jesus dude. He's always on a cross. He's always suffering and he's suffering for you. So now I got to feel more shame. My mom shamed me and the whole Jesus thing shamed me. So he shut things down. Mm-hmm. Not, always in a, not always in a bad way, um, but he's trying to figure out how to survive. Mm-hmm. But then at the moment of death, <laughs> it's not about survival anymore. <laughs> you have to give up survival and you're just faced with the reality. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for some people, it's the very first moment of being on this planet when reality is actually something they can't avoid. Mm-hmm. But he's trying to. He's right. still trying to. So he's, he, he, and he talked about other things too, about his pattern of just avoiding and how this comes from this, the background with the, chi- with the, I'll say, with the childhood um, and what happens when his dad passes and how his mom chooses to move forward and, and what she does. So all, all of this is important because we have to remember now, this is a man who's fully grown and, or fully grown. Physically. <laughs> Physically. Jeez, I have to be careful what I say, a right? A man child. Yeah. And, and his mom's a woman child. Mm-hmm. And his mom's a woman child in her 80s. Right. And she still hasn't moved past any of this either. So he comes through and says to Lynn that his mom's still alive. He's passed. And she says true. And so the whole thing through this whole pain or through this painful experience for her is about the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain, and the pain of of the choices that we make. Mm -hmm. Whether we choose to, when we say we don't want to do our work, it simply means that we still are working, but we're working at maintaining what we believe. Well, you're also working at maintaining pain. 
Exactly. So I, I want to um, purposely interject a question uh, to illustrate a point. Why? So Lynn is coming to talk to an ex-husband. What is she getting out of this? Oh, because I yeah. know, but someone might be sitting there going, well, Jesus, she's sitting there hearing about all of his reasons because now they're reasons. They're not excuses. It's illustrating where the behaviors stem from. So what is she getting out of this? Why is she paying money to hear about where his issues stem from? Okay, so different issues there, different answers. Um, she still loved him. She still cared. She still wanted to know. Uh, because wanted she to know what? Uh, what he went through. Okay. She wanted to know why he hung on. She wanted to understand the process of dying. Why does someone hold on? Mm-hmm. What happens when we hold on? Um. What, what one, some of the other things she got were affirmations um, for herself, not just in uh, that I can speak to someone who's died, that he's still there, mm-hmm. but also that when I was on earth and he was doing this crazy making, that I wasn't crazy. Yes. She, she needed the final affirmation. This is finally done for her. This is finally over where she's talking to him and he says one thing. She she takes that in as valid information, repeats it later to him or in another conversation, and he says he never said that. Mm-hmm. That's as you and I both know, it's crazy making. So or backwards training. Mm-hmm. And so she's getting all of her affirmations now that he did do this to her. That there's now an acknowledgement that he did it. There's the acknowledgement that he knows he did it to her consciously, purposely, to keep control, mm-hmm. to be able to drink to be able to stay in a marriage, to be able to say, I'm st- I still have a wife and she's still here caring for me. It was all of the different mechanisms of where and tactics of this is how I'm going to control this person. She's just a person, a, a human being, but I'm calling her wife. I'm calling her now ex-wife, but someone I have to have control over because I'm not dealing with any of my own stuff. Mm-hmm. So if I don't deal with any of my own stuff, but I focus on controlling Lynn, then I don't have to deal with this, this fear of my dad not really loving me. Right. So she gets the understanding of why he treated her that way. And the fact that he actually did. The, the, the first moment of her life where he actually acknowledges it and gives her affirmations of it, mm-hmm. and then apologizes for it and says that he's changing. So some people might listen to this and go, mm-hmm. a crock of shit. Yeah, for some people, life is that crock of shit right to the very end. Mm-hmm. These, this is not a unique couple. This is not in a unique situation. That's why it's so important to hear the story. Yeah. That's why it's so important to hear that there is crazy making in these relationships. Um, and maybe there is to some degree in all relationships. Mm-hmm. But when we become aware of it, much like Lynn, she finally stood up and said, this is crazy making, calling it what it is. And being able to say, here's a healthy boundary and I'm out. And the healthy boundary when I'm out means I'm staying out. Because he kept at her to come back over and over again. At the very end of the session, um, he left her all his money. He left her the house, the, his life insurance. He could have left it to all kinds of other people. He left it to her. In some kind of way, and don't ask me about all of this but in some kind of way to apologize for everything he had done. 
in some kind of way to say that money is my apology. Mm -hmm. I won't give it to you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, cognitively, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I'm going to give you money, which then kind of says something about where the value was in his life versus her life. Mm -hmm. Also extremely confusing because if you are, if you are, in this situation, the wife that needed to do the leaving to take care of herself because he wouldn't take care of himself, then you're given this lump sum of money that the rest of his family is probably looking at you going, you're the bitch that left. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that money has guilt attached to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And like so you how s- do you ever really enjoy the money then? Well, and I think that's part when you, well, you asked me the question, why did you come for the session? Oh, I know. And, <laughs> and I wanted you to illustrate all yeah. those points because yeah. a lot of people would think, why would you spend $115 hearing about your ex-husband, your alcoholic ex-husband? Yeah. Your and, alcoholic abusive ex-husband. Well, redundant, but yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the importance of understanding why and how you can come in and have your, your own relief, mm-hmm. your own sigh. Uh, and, and understanding and feeling of at peace with yourself and your decisions. Well, because she, she wanted to know why he left her the money. He wanted to know why he was fighting when he was dying. Why? What If you're suffering and you've got cancer in four or five of your organs, mm-hmm. you've been an alcoholic your whole life, you're, you're angry and miserable, you finally are getting your way out and you're fighting to live, mm-hmm. that is all confusing. Mm-hmm. So the well, whole, that's all he did to her. Yes, and it's all he did to himself. Right. Everything was confusing. Okay. Um, one of the things he said to her too, Kelly, um, was he said um, at the very end of the session, he goes, I'm finally home. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, he's saying that he went back home, that after he died and crossed over, he went back home. He went back into the house you live in, which is the house you both lived in. He's the one that moved out. And I said he went back home and sat in his single chair in the house. So after he talked to his dad, his spirit went back into the house to go back and sit there. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, holy crap, Karen. It was what he kept begging her for. I just want to come home, Lynn. I just want to go back. I just want to sit in my chair in the living room. I just He wanted that chair in that house. He And so when he crosses over, it's one of the first places he goes back to in his spirit because he doesn't want to leave. So even though he fully is dead, mm-hmm. he's with his biological dad now and his grandpa's on the other side, he goes back into the house. Well, here, you know what she says to me? That's exactly what he kept saying to me. He just wanted to sit back in the, in the house again. But after the cremation, she took his ashes and put them back in the house in the living room on the chair. excellent so two two part (laughs) affirmation yes so she just sat there and for her the 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 crying I think you know when you said why did she come to heal Mm -hmm. to get answers to to let go because so many people as human beings we just don't get let going letting go and as we also hear that when we die we have a hard time with the letting go process as well right to the moment when we are just doing the passing even Mm -hmm. um and that in this particular story people are really hearing how severely um he couldn't let go of any he couldn't let go of those things Mm -hmm. and that she came so that she could do hers before her own death 
that she could she could live more peacefully here. Nice. So lots of different reasons, I think, and maybe some that we never even talked about in her hour. Mm-hmm. Right. You were going to talk about his grandfather coming through. Um, you had it written down. Oh, his grandfather. When the grandfathers came through, um, his his biological dad. Just a second. I'm trying to think here how this went, Kelly. Give me one second. No, it. There were different grandfathers, and I think there was the biological dad's dad came through to love him, to talk about how peaceful they that that he had been in his life, the qualities that he had had that he had passed down to the biological son, who then, I'll say genetically, passed down to him. But because he doesn't work through his feelings, he doesn't sit down and talk to people and search and find, um, and because belief systems lock him into certain things, he doesn't access the other aspects of his own personality and his own character. Mm-hmm. So he's the, the biological dad and grandfather talk about their curiosity. They talk about how in life they both would have researched things. So if a religion, you know, that you grow up in says that when you die, there's a purgatory, they would have went, that's cool. But I wonder what other religions believe. Mm. And they would have just got on into books and different things and wanted to ask neighbors. So you're Jewish. What do you believe? So Harry, you're, you're, you know, Islamic. What do you believe? Mm -hmm. And they would have, they had this inquisitive and curious sense of curiosity that, um, would bring them to a different place so that if I'm in a place and this is causing me suffering, believing this, so say I believe all abortions go to hell or all miscarriages or all suicides, mm-hmm. then what do other religions believe? What, what, what does the average Joe, what does an agnostic person believe or an atheist or what are some of their beliefs and are, can they be kinder? Yeah, I always pose that question to people when I was teaching and say, you know, when a belief comes in, does it sit well with you? Because there are certain beliefs that really don't. And and when I say sit well with you, I mean, does the, does the thought make you anxious? Does it make you uncomfortable? Um, does it make you, like, give you that squirmish feeling in your stomach? Uh, does it bring anxiety into your chest, you know, and you're taught, yep, yeah, does it make you want to cry? There's, the body is, I've always said, a number one red flag. Uh, where it indicates that something is up or something is wrong uh, or something's not working. So when an idea does not sit well with you, I think that's fantastic that they have decided to research and, and ask what other beliefs exist and what else might, might actually sit well with me. He had those characteristics in his job. And so Lynn was like, yeah, that, that really describes an aspect of him. But he didn't take that aspect into other areas of his life. He had that as a mechan as a mechanic. Sorry, that's okay. He had that as a mechanic, so he was in, he was curious about what's going on in a car. He was curious about how the person drove it. He was curious about the history of it or the company. Like there, there was curiosity in certain aspects, and he and she would go, "Well, I could really see that in 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 parts of his character for sure." But then there wasn't curiosity outside of that, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was really nice to he, to get the affirmations on my part too, that 
it was correct about certain aspects of his character from his biological father and grandfather to to hear that from his wife of mm-hmm. you know 30 years but also sad that we can have curiosity or quality in one area maybe i'm very patient at work but i come home and i'm completely impatient with my kids or i'm completely impatient with my partner like so mm-hmm. that you've got you've got these great qualities, but you don't take them into places in your or in relationships in your life that were supposed to mean the most. Yeah, and we've seen that with clients where two people will come in who had different relationships with the one person who's passed. Oh yeah, and you would, and you know, even if it's um, children, where we would say, you know, you would describe your dad, and we word it that way, you would describe your dad as a patient man. Yes, he was lovely and patient. And maybe the older sibling comes in and will say, you would describe your dad as extremely impatient and volatile. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was patient with everyone but me. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how we know people um, in so many different ways because of what you're describing, that we can take one strength and put it into one area of our life, but not across the board. Which also has some people believe that we're wrong. Yep. When we sit down as mediums or intuitives and we describe somebody and they say, nope, 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 you got that all wrong. And I, and then, we, and often we don't know that it's correct until the sibling arrives right. and says and tells us the truth. And I, and you know, that's all well and good. It's going to happen. The most heartbreaking part of that is is, is that it creates or it creates a feeling of craziness in another human being. Yeah. So if, if you want to believe that we're wrong, okay, that's that's your experience that lets you believe that. But your your own personal inconsistency in your relationships lets another person in this world feel crazy when they don't know you the way another person does. Yes. When you are not truthful and you do not have integrity in all areas of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and I, th- I think of like an example of a, a friend or a group of friends where one person in the group um, can be a bully to one person mm-hmm. and then be a wonderful, giving, outstanding, outgoing friend to everybody else in the group. Mm-hmm. And yet the person who they bully doesn't want to leave the group and can't understand it. And so if she talks to all of her other friends about her problem, nobody will listen to her or acknowledge it or help her deal with it. Mm-hmm. So the abuse goes unspoken and undealt with because, and everybody else knows what's going on. Typically they often do. They just don't want to deal with it because in part they're grateful they're not the one being bullied. Yeah. And I, th- yeah. So the idea that you are responsible for someone else feeling crazy, you know, if that doesn't, if that doesn't hurt your own heart, I don't know. I don't know what does. Well, you have to shut down that part. You have to shut it down, Kelly. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm aware of that. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I I, I, know I don't you know. Are. I mean, yeah. I, if that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what will. Nothing. That's the point. That's the point of the podcast. Nothing will. Nothing. Right to the point where when you die, you're still struggling to try and stay alive yeah. in this backwards mess. Mm-hmm. Right to the point where you can't even leave your own body. In your own pain. You can't leave pain. That someone's offering you release. Someone's offering you peace. Someone's offering you pain free. And your answer is no. And, and people might listen to this and think, that's not possible. Nobody wants pain. 
Oh no, look oh, around. The whole world is, a, is Many, evidence that we do. That's right. Many people want their pain, enjoy their pain, love their drama, right to the point of dying. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it, it's um, this one just um, was just a couple of days ago. And I, I one of the reasons I like there's so many different um, lessons in it, so many different things to think about, talk about. But one of the things that reasons why I wanted to share it, Kelly was, and this is selfish of me entirely. But this was finally, this was somebody that was actually really open. Her energy was that she listened to every affirmation, took it in. Oh, true. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. She took it in. You could literally feel it in the room, how she filled herself up. Mm-hmm. It's the purpose of energy healing. It's the first thing I say when I ask for consent. I am an energy healer, medium, medical intuitive, psychic, blah, 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 blah. It's the first thing I say, and there's always a purpose that I say that as the very first thing, because without the energy healing, without the intention to heal, then I'm, quote, unquote, just a medium. Mm -hmm. I am just a medical intuitive. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying you have a sore, you have this, you have that. There's, There's nothing beyond just saying what it is. The energy healing is everything. And some people come in, and I know in our culture here in North America, very few people understand energy healing or quantum physics. Very few. So there really isn't a focus on that aspect. Most people are here to, 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 get, to get proof or to find out something or information. Mm-hmm. So they're information seeking or affirmation seeking. And that there is a small percentage that are healing seeking. Mm-hmm. And that if I get a combination of all three, three cherries, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> From the non-gambler. Yeah. Well, that was a successful podcast. Mm-hmm. She was, she was three cherries, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Very cool. And in, in, in terms for, for her own session and in terms for me, which if anybody can really understand energy... That's what a healing session is. It's the fig- it is that figure eight. It is both ways. It is both of us. Mm-hmm. Whereas information seeking people come in and want to drain me. They mm-hmm. want information from. So it's a one sided experience for them. What am I getting out of this? My money? You got my money? I get information. And I'm not an information giving machine. I am an energy healer. There is, it's two ways. I feel what you feel. It's intentional. Yes. But that other people's intentions don't sit on the same level or vibration. So the intention in doing the podcast is to also educate people about that. Mm -hmm. Because it isn't just for this one hour. I live my life like this. All of my relationships are this way. And... It's just maybe something for people to think about, or if we can ask them that question today, what are what is their intention in their relationships? Are they are they information seeking? Are they money seeking, education seeking, status seeking? What are they? Or are they is it interchangeable? Is it give and take? Beautiful. Hmm. We will leave it there. 
As always, if you have questions or comments or things that you'd like us to expand on, you're welcome to email us at info at Aside from that, we wish you a three cherry weekend. <laughs>